Today on Gamerhead Radio, in pretty much every one of our news stories today, somebody will lose something. Oh. Gamerhead Radio starts now. Hello and welcome to Gamerhead Radio. I am Charlie Technotronicorn Worthley. Candy Mountain, Charlie. I am Jonathan Santiago, a.k.a. Fallon Flynn. We're being civilians! Come on! And uh, we are nearing the end of the goatless time. That's right. The goatless time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we're... Uh, we're very much looking forward to having him back soon, very soon. That is a season here at uh, Gamerhead Radio. You know, there's there's winter, summer, spring, fall, and the goatless time. <laughs> it's that that the that's the bridge that gaps summer into fall. That's true. Yeah, the goatless time. You know, we get uh, we get like a family calendar made up every year. If I if if he has any idea in advance of when he's going to be leaving, I'm going to put that on the calendar, like. The goat, like I'm gonna highlight. Oh, those I had weeks. to think about that for for a second. I thought you were saying that we at Gamerhead Radio had like a Gamerhead Radio family calendar, which we probably should do. That <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Um, you know, terrible like yarn sweaters and all. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's do that. I feel Perfect. like that would be great. Oh my god, yes, absolutely. Um, John, how was your week? Uh, my week was very busy, very productive, as it has a tendency to be as of late, which is weird because since Vias for Villains is taking downtime between now and next shows and. Uh, finishing the record, I figured I would have time aplenty because that's usually what eats up my time. But no, no, I like a fool. But let's be clear. Yes. Views for Villains is not taking downtime. You're just not playing shows. That's it. Well, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, I guess to be to be more clear on that, that is probably the correct way to, to state that. But uh, I have found uh, in the ways that, we, that that is not eating up my time, like a foolish, foolish man, I have found other things uh, to supplant those things with. Um, because I am apparently a sadist, self-sadist, uh, a dumbass. I completely understand. I went out with my dad the other day. He asked me, hey, how's it going? Are you keeping busy? Are you working? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm working. When I'm not working my first job, I'm working my second job. When I'm not working my second job, I'm working my third job. And I went through all through all five of my jobs, really. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not doing that. I'm sleeping. When I'm not doing that, I'm actually spending time like with my wife and enjoying life. So, it is yay. only in this moment after... Having this discussion with you, that I realized that we are uh, we're very sick people, Charlie. <laughs> we are. There's we, we we need medication or That's therapy good. or something. It's good. Soon, soon. Yeah. Um. So why don't you uh why don't you grace the people with uh, releases for the week, Charlie? All right. Um. I I will do just that. So on the eleventh, we've got uh, a handful of games. Uh, Brave Tank Hero on the 3DS and Wii U. Everybody's gone to the Rapture on the PS4. That's fucking morbid. <laughs> Uh, Garfield Cart, I'm assuming like the cat, is coming out on the 3DS, because why not? Um, <laughs> the cart racer that nobody asked for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Goat Simulator is making it over to the PS3 and PS4. Excellent. Congratulations, Sony owners. Um, Ali Ali 2, Welcome to Hollywood, is coming out on Windows. Uh, Paddington, Adventures in London, um, about a year late from the movie, is coming out on the 3DS. Uh, Toy Soldiers War Chests on Windows and Xbox One. Actual Sunlight is coming out on the Vita. To be clear, Actual Sunlight is the name of the game. I'm not saying that Actual Sunlight is going to be on the Vita because that implies there's a star inside of it, and that just doesn't make any sense. Oh, I see now. Sony's powering their systems with tiny stars. (laughs) And uh, Gauntlet Slayer Edition on the PS4. Um, That's all on the 11th, on the 12th. We're seeing a uh, Toy Soldiers War Chest on the PS4. 
Uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, coming out on the PS4 and Xbox One. That game is fantastic. Highly recommended. Yes, absolutely. Hacknet on the PC and Centris on the PC. On the 13th, Fallout Shelter is making it over to Android. Thank God. <laughs> I'm ready. Rebuild Gangs of Deadsville is coming out on iOS and Android. And Christopher Brookmeyer's Bedlam is coming out on the Xbox One, PS4, PC, and Mac. I have no idea what that is. Do you know that, that man's name? What the hell is that? I don't know. I'm going to do some quick live Googling. Live Googling. Live and um, also on the 14th, uh, we're getting Super Mega Baseball Extra Innings on the Xbox One. Uh, so Christopher Brookmeyer is a Scottish novelist whose novels mix comedy politics social comment and action with a strong narrative he has been referred to as a tartan noir author his debut novel was quite ugly one morning (laughs) 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 and subsequent works have included one fine day in the middle of the night wait what and and uh he said was just the sort of book he needed to write before he turned 30 uh and all fun and games until somebody loses an eye in 2005, since April, since April of 2008, he has been president of the Humanist Society of Scotland. Um, assuming this is the same person who's making this game called Bedlam, um, I'm so confused. It, it could it could be if his name is attached to it that that he wrote the story for the game. If he is a writer, he he likely is the author of the the, the game itself. I don't that know. makes perfect sense. Interesting. Um, Bedlam is a Christopher Brookmeyer 17th novel. Is published in the, is he sounds like, based on what you just read about this fellow, he sounds like the sort of guy who, who like, video games wouldn't even be on his radar. The, like, angry Scottish guy. that would be like, what the, who the fuck said anything about a video game anyways? <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about there? Um, I'm trying to find a description for this game because I'm so curious. Hmm. Um... Uh, I'm currently on bedlamthegame.com, and you'd think a game description would be easier to find than this, mm. but it is not. Uh, there's a trailer. It looks to be a first-person shooter. I don't know why in my um, mind this guy's angry. Like, I just have this, this monologue <laughs> going in my mind of him going, Never you mind what the fucking game's about. Just buy it. <laughs> so glad I've given you an opportunity to use your, 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 your Scottish accent. Um, it's not any good, but I'll do what I can with it. I'm sure I, I'm. Go- I'm I, sure I'm offending somebody right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's the sto- here's the synopsis of uh, Bedlam the game. Um, this is a story about the Bedlam project and how an email from Red Bedlam's Nick Witcher to award-winning author Christopher Bed- uh, Brookmeyer led to both the game and the novel upon which it was to be based. Novel is novel to be closely followed by the development of Bedlam the game. Um, uh, things were, uh, this, oh, this is a story about how the game came to be. Never mind. Oh, um, okay. God, tell us what the goddamn game is about. <laughs> you know what? You made it too hard. You don't deserve that's to get it. Right, that's right. That's so. right. You've already eaten up a minute of our show. So, John, when did you play this last week? Um, as seems to be the trend for the last month or so, not a lot, but a lot of what I did play. So, I mentioned last week that uh, I was considering getting into um, playing a little bit more of Elite Dangerous. I did... I'll dive headfirst into that. I've been playing a lot of it. It is not, to be clear, it is a, an Xbox One preview title, so the equivalent of a uh, an early access game. Handled a lot more respectably than most early access games. It plays really well for what it is. Um, I do get some server disconnections. You know, just a, a fair warning to all of you who uh, you know who may be interested in, in following me into this if you want to play with me. But uh, it is extensive and the scope and scale is massively impressive i I can't even 
explain how tiny you feel in this universe. Uh, the combat's good. The controls take some getting used to, but uh, are, are really well thought out for a controller. It's probably the best space slash flight slash combat, uh, aerial combat controls I've ever seen for a, uh, a controller. So I'm enjoying it a lot. I still have a lot to learn about it because it does have a tremendous learning curve. Um as space sims te- seem to for some weird reason. Um, but it's uh, it's a really, really impressive game. I, I enjoy it, and I can't wait till they finish it. Um, I have been playing, oddly, which I hated at first, still tons more Ali Ali um, skateboarding game. I've, I've almost mastered it. Like, I've got almost five stars on... I got five stars on all of the, like, standard amateur levels and unlocked all the pro levels, and I've got five stars on almost all of the pro levels now. Which is weird. It's not that long of a game, but there's a lot of game in this tiny little game. Um, Megan, I, I wanted to, to get on board with Smash Brothers. As I mentioned last week, I've played a very small amount of Smash Brothers on my 3DS because right. I, I've never really been a big Smash guy. I, I don't dislike it. I have no beef with Smash. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great entry-level thing to get people into fighting games, but... I wanted to play it because I wanted to see what all the hubbub is about. And um, I can see where a group of people would have a lot of fun playing it. And I've, I'm enjoying tinkering with it. Um, but I I do think it's overhyped. I do yeah. think it's it's a lot uh, a lot of to do about really not much. Do you think it's it's the best fighting game available on the Wii U and the, the Mario and Nintendo, Nintendo style that's I mean, mixed it's into definitely, it as a big it's reason? It's definitely a fun game and it's definitely really imaginative. The levels are really creative and interesting. But as somebody who does play a lot of fighting games in my free time, it is hideously imbalanced. It is so, like, not even remotely close to a balanced game. Like, I don't understand how this game makes it to, like, cash prize pool, like, tournaments. Because really? some of the characters are tremendously overpowered versus others, and some <laughs> of them have... It, it's just not balanced. Um, so I, I don't know. It's It's not a bad game. I like it, but to me, it's... It's the sort of thing you play with a handful of buddies when you're having fun, a couple of drinks. But I don't, I wouldn't play it the way that I play like Mortal Kombat or Killer Instinct or Street Fighter or you know any of the, the myriad of um, competitive sort of balanced fighting games. Okay. And not because the game's not serious or silly, or, or that it's silly. I like the silly nature of it. Actually, I wish it was more balanced than it is for that reason. Um, so I played a bunch of that. It's not bad. I played some Mario Kart on uh, 3DS. Um, Fun. It plays like the Wii U version of Mario Kart. Um, it's a pretty entertaining little game. Uh, I played. Um, I, I go. I'm going to the library and renting games for my 3DS and trying them before I, I buy anything. And okay. I rented a. I was in the mood for a JRPG and I rented a game called Tales of uh, Tales from the Abyss, <laughs> which is a you know JRPG from I think 2011. It was like a a port of a PlayStation 2 game. Um, from 2008 or something. It looks great, plays well. Barely touched it, you know. So uh, that's pretty much it. I don't think I've had uh, time really to play anything else. That was it, you know. Cool. What about you? Um, so I went back to Arkham Knight and I played the uh, the Red Hood DLC, which is now available for season pass owners. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a waste of time. Yeah, it I was, heard it's not great. It's yeah, it's 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 not even a story like it's it's three kind of little scenarios yeah i heard it's almost together. like a like a, a more than you would normally see like a story based set of challenge maps basically i mean 
saying that there's a story is a stretch. Is I mean, it? like yeah. they give you re- like there's a narrative for the reason why you're there, but there's no story to be yeah, had. I sure, mean, like sure. it's yeah, it's and just so you like the Batman or Batgirl DLC better. Oh yeah, because there's there is story there. Yeah, right there's on. there's a substantial amount of story there, and especially because the Batgirl DLC, it's like this mini little this world that you can explore. Like there's hidden things that you can find, and there's like a sub story of of how that park came to be, and mm-hmm. uh, and just um, that that you have to solve. You have to basically unlock the story by going around and finding and playing different arcade games. Um, you know, some of the midway games like around right the carnival. That's awesome. And then once you beat the games, then like the door to the main office unlocks and you can go in, you can find, you know, get the end of the little story and there's sure. like an achievement for doing that. But there's, there's <clears> actual <throat> story there and things to do with this. It's literally, it's literally just like three, I think three, maybe four, but I think three just little challenge maps that you play in a row and with kind of a narrative and that's about it. Sure. Um, sure. so I'm just hoping that, um, that that we see more and uh, along the lines of the Batgirl DLC. I did um, a couple weeks ago. I just never. I just didn't talk about it on the show. I did go back and play the uh, the the packed in uh, Harley DLC, which was tacked on garbage. That was <laughs> the Red what, Hood was substantially, ten minutes. The Red Hood DLC was substantially worse than the, really? than the Harley Holy Quinn DLC. Holy shit! Yeah. That's on. That's disheartening. I was, I was very disappointed by the Harley Quinn DLC. Um, I I liked. The little changes they made to her comment, I liked their their um, the version of her detective mode. You know, when it comes up and it just has like the haha, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. yeah. Like, that, that, that was a neat little yeah. touch. Um, but um, but yeah, no, the Batgirl DLC is far and beyond either great, of those. Great, so, I, I'm gonna wait for the season pass to go on sale sure, before I sure. play that. I think because I'm not too impressed with what they're putting out for it so far. Yeah, I probably would have done the same thing. No, I, who am I kidding? Um, no, I would have bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so there's that, um, uh, Michelle and I went back and, uh, we, uh, we got back, we realized we started playing Lego Batman three and just mm. kind of stopped. And, yeah. uh, so we, we, we went back to that. We played a couple levels of that. Um, it's, it's hard for Michelle gets motion sickness and the yeah. Lego games have been seeming to get worse with how much they irritate her motion sickness. And we're not really sure what it is. Um, and we're not sure if it's, it's the way they split screen or just like, there's a lot of like motion blur and like shakiness happening. But, um, my dad has the same problem. Yeah. And, and as far as anybody can really tell, a lot of that relates to usually one of two things, combination of one of two things or the two things in conjunction with one another. Some people's eyes, um, especially if they wear glasses or have mm-hmm. any sort of issues with their eyes, sometimes have a sensitivity to frame rate or mm. colors used. Okay. Uh, like my father plays uh, Final Fantasy fourteen and other MMOs. He's played City Heroes and DC Universe Online. My father cannot play World of Warcraft. It makes him sick to his stomach. Really? Um, it's the color palette in the game um, really? versus huh. the frame rate. And sometimes that does mess with people who have vision problems or wear glasses or contacts. That's um, fascinating. I can't understand that. Yeah, you know, me either. Um, but it, it bothers a lot of people, apparently. Interesting. It's unfortunate. Um, and then so I went back, and um, I thought I was closer to the end of the story in Grand Theft Auto V than it turns out I was. Um, uh, so there are 69 main story missions in the game. Um, when I went back, I had, I think... 20 to go. I thought it was closer than that, but now sure. I now I have 9 to go. Right on. So, um, how are you enjoying it as you're as you're progressing? I love it. I mean, that game is so amazing. It's great. Isn't uh, it? yeah, it's so much fun. Um and even um you know, I even said like, okay, I'm just going to sit down, I'm just going to power through the story just to find out what happens. Yeah. Still ended up getting distracted with side missions and side Always. quests and just all the random encounters and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, that game is so so well done. Now that you've gotten to try some of the like single player heist type stuff, mm-hmm. does it make you excited for us to get on there and play the heists? 
together. Yes. Like yes. it's going to be so slick. Yep. We haven't done that yet. Yep. 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 We're terrible uh, hosts. We have not broadcast ourselves <laughs> failing miserably at heists. When Goat gets back, though, I think that needs to be a thing. Yes, I imagine him staying in and wanting to play a lot of video games for several weeks after he Excellent. gets back. So uh, we will we will uh, do our best to make that happen. Um, and that was everything that worthy that I touched. Um, it's been a busy week for me, also as as you said, tends to be the case. But uh, still managed to fit some games. Oh, I uh, finished the um, the newest episode for uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, some crazy shit did go down in that episode. So um, good stuff. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's it's definitely ramping up. They're on uh, fourth episode, is it? Oh, uh, uh, this was five. Oh, so this was it. Was this the end of it? Or uh, no, there are more? six. Oh, okay, great. I believe. Yeah, I believe there's one more. Um. I believe that's correct, but yeah, uh, yeah, good stuff. Oh, definitely good stuff. Um, highly, if if you're at all interested in the Game of Thrones books or the series, um, pick up this game because it's it's very much like the book or the book and the series. Well, I haven't read the books, but I'm assuming it's the same. But like the series for me, the series started out very slow, but it kind of had to just because it had so much to explain to you and to get you mm-hmm. to understand about the, the world and everything, and mm-hmm. it took a while for it to ramp up just because it had to take all that time to explain everything um the game is kind of the same way it starts out slow but the pacing makes sense like the way that it ramps up and it gets going especially in like the last two episodes the last one especially mm-hmm. uh it's crazy but really really good awesome yeah i own it i just haven't gotten to it because i want to i don't want to watch the show first i'm i've only seen two episodes of the show so oh yeah, yeah. gotta get on that yep i recommend it so now that you know we did this last week in video gaming let's see what the industry did this last week All right, coming in at a groan-worthy number five this week. Anti-piracy group hits indie creators for using the word pixels. Oh, oh man, I, I'm I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna make some some groany noises throughout the course of this article. Bear with me, everybody at home. Buckle up and get a helmet. It's gonna be bumpy. just just go ahead and stretch out your arm to be ready to face palm face palm your head multiple palm. times throughout the course That's of the story. An anti-piracy firm working for Columbia Pictures has hit Vimeo with a wave of bogus copyright takedowns just because people use the word pixels in their video titles. I'm having a hard time not laughing at this while I'm reading the article. Uh, Several indie productions are affected, including an art-focused NGO, an award-winning short movie, and a royalty-free stock footage company. Tens of millions of DMCA-style notices are sent to online services every week complaining about copyright infringement. While most are accurate, some contain errors. Some take screwing up to a whole new level. This week, anti-piracy group Intura International sent a notice to Vimeo in what first appeared to be an effort to stop piracy of the Columbia movie Pixels. Not only did it fail to do that in every way possible, it hit a number of indie creators and filmmakers instead. So, founded in two, uh, November 2004, uh, NIMI, uh, which is stylized as a capital N, lowercase e, capital M, lowercase e, describes itself as a nonprofit NGO and an independent museum of contemporary art. Quoted as saying, Our NGO has just received a DMCA notice for a video we produced in 2006 entitled Pixels, the group told Vimeo this week. The video was directed by a Cypriot filmmaker using his own photos, sound, music on a shoestring budget, and infringes no copyright. Uh, Sadly for Nimi, however, it has now been resigned to history as the page and the video attached to it were removed, obliterated by this copyright claim. But upsetting the NGO was just the tip of the iceberg. The notice goes on to hit an embarrassing array of entirely non-infringing works. 
Life Buoy is my project for my degree at the National University of Arts from Bucharest, creator Dragos Bardock explains. The film was made in mid-2010, and it is a music video for the song, the song Life Buoy by the band The Pixels. <laughs> I used a mix of stop-motion animation techniques in order to tell the story, but it doesn't stop there. Published on Vimeo in 2011, Pantone Pic- uh, Pantone Pixels is described by creator Rob Penny as a personal project that took me a very long time. Thanks to Intura, however, the image now be- <laughs> the image below now greets users of his website, which is just a picture that says "Sorry, video does not exist." Yep, and it gets worse. Pixels is a 2010 award-winning short film created by Patrick Jean. Its tagline: "8-bit cre- uh, creatures are invading New York City." Only tells half the story of this extremely cool short movie. It's now wiped out on Vimeo, but luckily YouTube still retains copies, which together have been viewed millions of times. I remember this video. This is what inspired the movie Pixels. Yes, yeah, and th- it's amazing. Was, yeah. and, and when I first saw the trailer for Pixels, I thought somebody took this idea and just literally took that idea by that dude who created that and turned it into this. I'm sure this guy is pissed. Yep. Um, also falling victim to VJ is VJLoops.com, a royalty-free stock footage and media site. Royalty-free even mm-hmm. is getting attacked. Unbelievable. They put up a video on Vimeo titled Love Pixels, which turned out to be a big mistake. Same goes for a 42-second video containing uh, concerning this year's Pixels Festival in, in Mons, Belgium. Last but certainly not least, Intura rounded off this disaster by taking down the official Pixels movie trailer. Off their own site. Even though their very own notice lists their errors clearly. Of course, in addition to the hassle of having had their content wrongfully taken down, each person subjected to a notice from Intura will have a strike placed against their Vimeo account. Which is crap. I can't believe that. The notice we received says this is strike one, which we do not accept for the aforementioned reasons. It also says that for Vimeo to accept uh, to return the video online, we have to give our name, address, and an assortment of statements, the NIMI project told Vimeo in response. I'd suggest filing a counter notice, Mark from the company responded. This is in the hands of our trust and, uh, our trust and safety team, and unfortunately our support team cannot help you with this issue. Awesome. Good job, guys. Uh, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I don't, you know, I, I get a little salty sometimes on the show, but not like too salty. But I'll say this. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Adam Sandler. <laughs> fuck you, Columbia. And fuck you, Pixels. This is crap. The movie's crap. This should never have happened. And, and who sicks a company on these little dudes like this? So here's what likely happened. Unfortunately, this is uh, uh, we we see instances like this all the time. Like basically, anytime a, a new movie comes out or some new property that um, uses uh, you know, common words like pixels, you know that that are obviously going to be attached to mm-hmm. a, a variety of completely unrelated projects. Um, you see. Um, somebody in their PR legal department just getting just thinking oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to take down everything with the word pixels in it like shoot first ask questions later kind of mentality is really what it comes down to they um I don't think for a second that they took the time to look at each one of these individually no. and, and take them down I think I literally think they just did a search for every single thing with the word pixels in it uh, yeah took it all down and said I mean obviously you know, if they took their own trailer down yes you exactly know, then that's that's going to be and it's not like it's going to help that movie anyways that movie has no. already cemented its its legacy Yes, you know, and dropped it into the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> uh, but maybe not as bad as Fantastic Four. But that's a, that's a conversation Woo! for a different podcast. Don't get me started on that. 
<laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, this just illustrates everything that's wrong with our copyright system. And um, yeah, I am certainly not smart enough to come up with a better way to do it. But uh, the way it currently is is not good enough. I yeah. can't say that much. Yeah, but this is you know this is all the sort of stuff that ends up being when you see this happen on YouTube or Vimeo or any of these other like sites that host video. This is the kind of stuff, as unfortunate as it is is kind of necessary in a way because it helps them look at this stuff if they care to yeah. and go, Ooh, maybe there's a better way. How can we change it? How can we fix this? So I'm hoping that maybe the, the silver lining is, is that they are able to figure out maybe a better direction to go in doing this stuff. Because as it stands right now, it's, it's unfortunate for these people for things that came out in 2006, mm-hmm. you know, you, you should be immune to anything copyright infringed based on a property that came out this year. Yep. What a crock of shit. Yep. Sorry. Columbia ends up looking like a bunch of bullies and, and, and fuck Adam Sandler. And <laughs> yeah. And all probably thanks to some overzealous intern in their PR department. I'm sure that's exactly what it was. Godspeed. You, uh, you, you people trying to get your videos back up there. It was so hard not to say you black emperor. But <laughs> I was waiting for that. My brain, my brain. Um, anyways, I want to go ahead and move on, uh, this week to number four, Twitch bans streamer who faked his own swatting. Here's a banning I'm okay with. Yeah, here's a good one. (laughs) There are a couple things you probably shouldn't do to celebrate acquiring 800,000 followers on Twitch. Faking your own swatting at the end of a 24-hour live event, as streamer Trick2G recently did, is at the top of the list. Trick2G, who focused primarily on League of Legends, what a surprise, Mm -hmm. during his broadcast, can be seen casually chatting with viewers when two police officers bust in and haul him away. Trick2G's manager, Cher Gambino, later confirmed, Trick2G has a manager? Twitch live streamers have managers? What the hell is this? I I do not know. Cher Gambino later confirmed that the scene was faked in a later post on the streamer's website. Now, I know some of you are saying, Cher, it is not funny to make a joke about being swatted, she wrote. There's always someone who thinks uh, thinks only their sense of humor is what matters, and if they don't think it's funny... Then it could possibly, uh, then it couldn't possibly be. That is why our country is in the shape it is now, because we fear making light of anything that might be thought of as controversial. Remember, kids, if you don't think a fake swatting is funny, that's your problem. And Twitch, who do you think, <laughs> who do you think it was all that funny? Who didn't think it was all that funny either? The prank went down last Friday, uh, and by Monday, Trick2G's account had been banned. There was also significant blowback on social media. Um, a uh, Mar- Marcel Feldkamp. Uh, quoted as saying, whoever that person is is stupid as fuck. How is it oversensitive <laughs> when it's a traumatizing experience for real SWATs? Which is true. You hear about these people who've been SWATed with like their kid brother in the room or you weren't expecting it, and it's terrifying to have people surround you with guns in your house. For the uninitiated who aren't sure what we're talking about here, in case this is something that's flown under your radar, SWATting is basically a prank and I, that is not the right word, but it's the only one that fits. That uh, that that Twitch streamers that Twitch streamers will do against each other by call by basically saying like, "Hey, this person is like a terrorist or is a you know is building a bomb or whatever," and something to call to get a literal actual SWAT team called in on this other Twitch streamer while he's broadcasting. This is something that was a thing for a little while, and um, yeah, I don't know why this guy thought this would be a good idea, but he did, and it wasn't. Yeah, it was not a good idea. It cost him 800,000 viewers and a banned Twitch account and probably a bad reputation. And uh, his manager, Cher Gambino, probably not going to be getting any work uh, coming up here either because Gambino remained steadfast in the assertion that the prank was really funny and its critics were simply being wet blankets. She replied to the banning and social fallout uh, of the prank by telling Kotaku, 
If you saw the stream, there were theatrics the whole time. We had sailor girls, pirate girls, singing bears, singing pigs, prize wheels. His stream was from 3 p.m. Friday to 3 p.m. Saturday. I can't imagine a SWAT team waiting for someone to finish a stream. Not to mention the actors were all the same people on the stream the day before setting up. Not to mention they were laughing. I don't know what to tell you other than if it offends one person, it must be wrong. We've lost the right to comedy, or we've at least lost the right to comedy if it offends one person, which means Saturday Night Live must really have to watch what they do. Uh, no word on how long Trick2G will be uh, will remain banned, but given that he's one of the site's more popular streamers, it, pr- it likely won't be for long. We, uh, Twitch did respond to the, the entire uh, thing by saying, uh, we won't comment on terms of service violations. So, who knows? I'm of the opinion, because um, I didn't see the stream. I don't, I can't say, but honestly, don't don't try to... Don't be a dumbass. And that, that's the thing. I actually did watch the clip of uh, when when he uh, during of his fake swatting, and it's true that he and the 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 guys in the fake you know you know with the fake guns and the fake uh, you know riot gear on and everything that they were like pretty much laughing the whole time. So I mean, like it it looked super fake to me, and so I. I, I will say I'm a little bit confused by. I mean, first of all, it was a bad idea. Like it was, it was, it was absolutely a bad idea. I don't know what he really thought was going to happen, but on this, on the same token, it was very clearly not real. And yeah. so I, I guess I'm just a little bit confused by what term of service he violated. I, I'm a hard little bit to lost say. On do that. you do you feel like Twitch was being a uh... You know, maybe too hard, or do you do you think it was a little too knee jerk? Well, I would need to know what what policy that they're citing here, um, because I, I I am of the opinion that if a company comes up with a policy, that that policy should be the rule, and that you know as soon as they start making exceptions here and there, then that you know then that weakens their ability to enforce those rules later. Yeah. Um, so if he did break a policy, then that was his bad, and I'm not sorry for what happened to him, but. I'm just trying to imagine what policy it was that he broke is where I'm having a hard time. See, and there you go, uh, ladies and gents. Context is everything. Charlie watched the clip. I have not. All I can assess based on what I know is it sounds like it was a really bad idea and maybe could have been offensive to some people, and I'm not an easily offended person. Charlie's seen the clip, says it's lighthearted and probably shouldn't have been taken that seriously. Maybe just uh, some people took it out of context or maybe people were being... They were just being precautionary, you know, and, and trying to make sure that uh, they didn't piss a bunch of people off. I don't know. Either way, um, context is everything. True. Very true. Context is everything. Well, you know, I guess we're going to find out soon whether or not they uh, they lift the ban on his account or whether or not uh, it's a permanent thing. Uh, I, I would imagine that once once we know what the status of that is, we'll probably yeah. be updating people. Here's the other kind of little thing that confuses me. Um for Twitch to kick off one of the most popular streamers on their site, remember, Twitch has advertisements. And so they are almost throwing money out the door by mm-hmm. kicking this guy off their site. So they must feel a lot stronger about this than, than clearly sure. either you or I do for them to say, no, this guy's got to go. Sure, and sure. so like maybe just swatting is just that hot button of an issue for them. I'm not sure what it is, but they're literally losing money by throwing this guy, by, by, by getting rid of his account. Sure, so sure. That's, that's, I didn't think about it that way until just now, and that, that makes it even more interesting to me. Well, I'm sure we haven't heard the last of this story. Yeah. I, I smell a follow-up in our future. Um, true, true. We'll keep you posted once we know more. Well, coming in at number three, we accidentally report an old story from 2014 as new, which ends up getting replaced with me saying this. Back to you, John. Moving on to number two this week. This made me laugh. Bungie is erasing Peter Dinklage from Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
if you've played Destiny or if you've been watching any of the trailers, it's always kind of been a butt of a joke. Uh, I guess his his voiceover work for Destiny. I mean, it really wasn't great. I mean, I played through the core game, and it's it's it, it's just it's just no no kick, no fire to the delivery. You know, I even had that bit about you know him uh, wizards on the moon. You know, if you YouTube just any sort of uh, uh, set of clips of him doing some of this voiceover work, it's it's hilarious. It's actually pretty funny. So what we'll do here is um we'll uh we're we're gonna, we're gonna put in a little bit of uh of of Peter Dinklage's dialogue in case you haven't heard it, just so you can really be on the same page with us. Which which, which you know they they do affectionately refer to him in the 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 Destiny community as Dinklebot, <laughs> the the little <laughs> robot that he voices. So yeah. uh, what, and, what, and here's why. Okay, the Skywatch is just on the other side of the steps. And it's surrounded by Fallen. Well, I'm ready if you are. You know, this place must have been amazing before the collapse. Thousands of humans boarding the colony ships, off to build cities beyond. And now the Fallen, just picking its bones. Dead end. Fallen sealed this gate. I can get it open. What is this? Lots of motion ahead. I've got a bad feeling about this. It can't be. It's the Hive. The Hive haven't been on Earth for centuries. That wizard came from the moon. I thought we had them contained there. The darkness could be a lot closer than we think. All right, this time we go wherever we want. Nothing holding us back. The lair is up ahead, under that colony ship, just on the other side of all those devils. Fallen End Hive. Let's hope we can avoid the crossfire. Fallen are getting smarter. It's like the entire system is wired to a. I'll work faster. That's terrible, isn't it? That was. Dude, that's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> that wizard came from the moon. <laughs> it's so oh, bad, man. man. And he's he's a good actor. He is a good actor. And that's what surprised everybody about it. Like, when they heard some of the audio in the, the beta, which I played the beta, I was just like, huh. <laughs> that's not what I expected. And a lot of people said the same thing, but I think they were expecting that maybe it was placeholder audio or whatever. You know, people mm-hmm. have talked about this ad nauseum. But they're they're going to they're gonna recast him and they're gonna redo all of his lines with none other than super badass veteran Nolan North, the voice of Nathan Drake. That's awesome. I like Nolan North, and mm-hmm. it, it's like now you hear that um, a lot of times it's um, Troy Baker. Oh, Troy sure. Baker is like the dude that's in everything now, mm-hmm. and for a while it was Roger Craig Smith is the guy that did Ezio's voice and Batman and Arkham Origins. Like he was starting to pop up in everything. But a lot of people have kind of forgotten, you don't really think about, but Nolan North was like Troy Baker is right now. Nolan North was in everything. Like six, seven years ago, he was the voice of everybody for a while, which was kind of cool. But uh, I'm excited to see what changes they make because if they're going to, I mean, there's a lot of dialogue for Peter Dinklage in that game, so they're going to have to basically re-record all of his dialogue for this. Kind of interesting. Um 
You know, what, you know what I wonder? I wonder if he thought that they were going to like digitize his voice a bit, like like you know, computerize it a little bit, you know, make it sound more electronic, more robotic, it, and it, that he didn't need to put as much effort into the performance because it was going to be covered up by maybe, synthesis. maybe. Um, you know, Peter Dinklage, based on on if you've seen or read any sort of interview stuff with him, he's kind of a kind of a serious guy. He was very kind of um, stoic, is the mm. word I would use. Um, I kind of wonder if it's just a like I don't know, fucking video games, like it's, you know, like <laughs> I don't know that, but I wonder if that's what it is because yeah. he talks about things very, very seriously and very sort of dryly. You know? Maybe, yeah. So could be, but uh, they're 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 going to expunge him from the game entirely. They're going to uh, keep the same script, so Nolan North is just going to be recording what's already been there. Um, and they're going to do that uh, as of the release of The Taken King. And so any of the dialogue that's written for that new game, Peter Dinklage has not and will not be recording any of. Um, and they're just going to use Nolan North going forward. So um, they, they, were, they were saying that we wanted Nolan North's version of the ghost to wake you up at the start of the journey at level 1 and follow you all the way to level 40. Um, that comes from uh, Luke Smith, the director for uh, you know Taken King. Interesting. They do mention there too, uh, kind of that that raises a level cap for the game to forty. And then for those of you that do play Destiny, they're going to be getting rid of the light system, which everybody hates. It's a pain in the ass. I don't like it either. Um, <laughs> Nolan North's got such a different voice than uh, Peter Dinklage. Yeah, that's uh, not the same at all. That's, but but the guy's yeah. done. Like a lot of people don't realize this. The voice of Nathan Drake is also the voice of the Penguin in the Arkham games. That's oh, Nolan North. I did not know that. Wow, just blew your that's mind. That, didn't it? Yep. So he's got some range and flexibility that you typically don't hear because usually people people just go, uh, uh, you know, uh, do do Nathan Drake, do that. <laughs> and he's like, oh, well, that's Nathan Drake. Yeah, but do that, you know. But he, he did Penguin in the Arkham games, you know. And so he's got some range. I'm, I'm curious to see if he goes straight Nathan Drake with it, which would be distracting to me, mm-hmm. or whether or not he puts a different spin on it, maybe a little more emotion, a little bit more give a shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, either way, kind of a funny thing. Just the headline in general made me laugh. Now, you, you've you've played the game, so the 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 little the the, the character that that these well that these people are going to be are voice is it, it? It's an AI, right? Yeah, it's a, they're called ghosts, and they is uh, it supposed to have emotion? Not necessarily. Um, they do imply that it's it's. I don't know if it's supposed to be a living being or if it's supposed to be a, a sentient being. They mm-hmm. don't really get into that at least i didn't read any farther into the grimoire cards than just what they were but um whatever they are they're uh, at the very start of the game they're impressive enough to bring you back from the dead that's <laughs> essentially how the game starts okay. um so i don't know i don't know maybe but i mean whether they're supposed to have emotion or not wouldn't hurt after the stiffness of the dinklebot yes that's true Oh, rest in peace, Dinklebot. <laughs> may you find may you find whatever it was you were looking for on the other side. Maybe on the moon. This is like the episode where in every story we've had, something has been taken down or died or been gotten rid of. Like this is like the episode of loss. <laughs> <laughs> That's really it's true. depressing. Oh, womp womp. Well, I'll tell you who didn't lose anything oh. in our number one story this week is uh Chris Christie. You know. <laughs> Oh, presidential hopeful coming up here. Activision Blizzard CEO donates $50,000 to Chris Christie presidential bid. He got something. He got something. And well, the Activision CEO lost some money. I guess well, you can look that's at, look it. At there that you way. go. I guess if you're looking at it from that perspective, I suppose so. So Bobby Kotick, the president and CEO of gaming Activision, 
Uh, a gaming giant Activision Blizzard has made a sizable donation to New Jersey Governor Chris Christie's presidential campaign. Newly released documents show that Kotick gave $50,000 to the America Leads PAC. Uh, the group supporting Christie's bid for the Oval Office. Kotick and Christie are not strangers. From a 2012 New York Times report about Allen and, uh, Allen and Company's annual Sun Valley summer retreat, quote, as the night wound down, Governor Christie, who some believe is a prime candidate for Mr. Romney's ticket, finally emerged from the bar. He strode through the lobby in high spirits, guffawing, I love that word, <laughs> with friends, with his arm around Bobby Kotick, the chief executive of Activision Blizzard. So Kotick, whose base salary is $2.1 million, became CEO of Activision Blizzard in 2008 as part of the company's merge with Vivendi Games. Activision Blizzard has since separated itself from Vivendi. In addition to his role at Activision Blizzard, uh, Kotick is a member of the board of directors at the Coca-Cola Company, which I did not know. Yeah. Uh, God damn it, can't buy Coke anymore. <laughs> he also sits on the board of trustees for the Center of Early Education. Oh, God damn it, can't teach kids anymore. <laughs> and is the chairman of the committee of trustees for the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. God damn it, he's ruining art too. <laughs> I don't like Bobby Kotick. I think he's a turd. <laughs> Really, I hadn't picked up on that at all. Uh, You look, man. He's just uh, said and done a lot of crummy things to people who work in the gaming industry. Not just Activision Blizzard, but I mean, anybody that's that's worked for Activision Blizzard in as many years has basically come forward and said that he's the devil. Um, Done a lot of really forceful and negative things, too, in the world of gaming and widely regarded for doing a lot of really, really douchey things with his money. Like this. I, like this. I, sorry. We, 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 we should strive to not make this a political podcast. No, so, we will um, not make this a political podcast. I included be, this story this week just because I find it interesting that somebody from the gaming world, who's widely regarded and known in the gaming world, um, felt the need to get involved with a, a, a presidential hopeful. Not something you hear every day from the world of gaming. And I think fair, fairly stated a controversial presidential hopeful. A controversial presidential hopeful i think so um yeah that is uh curious essentially a dude with money mm-hmm. trying to give money to a dude with money <laughs> so that they can be two dudes with money <laughs> in powerful positions with money i don't like it i don't want it yay politics yay politics makes me want to drink myself to death <laughs> Um, that was a, a really weird week of news, but hey, man, I don't, uh, I don't make the news. It, it finds me. <laughs> Fair enough. So this week we wanted to kind of take a look at some some games that we've enjoyed and some games that you guys have enjoyed and uh, would like to see made into uh, different types of games or different genres and, and different styles and so on and so forth. A lot of times you'll see just, you know, like randomly they'll come out with like, uh, you know, like you know, like cart racers. It seems to be like one of the most popular random things for people to mm-hmm. make, <laughs> uh, you know, random directions for people to take a franchise in. And um, so, so, John, if, if you could think of a game or a franchise or series that you would like to see remade into a different style of game. Well, what's what's one of the first one that comes to mind? Uh, oddly enough, I, I would not mind seeing at least the formula for the Bioshock games taken and turned into... Um, they've done, you know, like a almost colonial style. They've done like, um, you know, under the water sort of noir type thing, uh, art deco type stuff. 
I wouldn't mind seeing them do a take on that world where it's uh, like Wild West. I love that kind of stuff, Wild West, Frontiersy type stuff. But okay. in order to change it into a different style of game, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a Bioshock-style story told in a Wild West setting in a third-person sort of, you know, Gears of war type action game. Um, okay, so so where the original, where, where the first two Bioshocks were like that, kind of like you said, like that Art Deco, like, you know, thing, and then like the uh, Infinite was, you know, very Columbian in architecture and setting mm-hmm, and everything, mm-hmm. you would want to see that then taken into a Wild West setting. But, yeah. but, but, you know, of course, it'd be Bioshocky, so it'd be like, you know, steampunky and, you know, yeah, however yeah, you want to look at it. Exactly. And then, um, but, you'd, but you'd like to see it be third person. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to change it up, if, if I mean, part of what we're talking about for the feature is taking a game and kind of turning it on, on its head and rethinking mm-hmm. how to do it, that would be one way to do it. Um, I also wouldn't mind, uh, I also wouldn't mind s- just seeing, even if it was just a fan version of the game, somebody doing a, se- quote, serious take on like a Super Mario game, just to see how it would shake out. That's one of mine. I, I would very much like to see like a, uh, a more uh, mature I guess yeah. like ver- like like reimagining of of Super Mario Brothers and um you know it's like if you go on YouTube you can find dozens of um of like fan videos of like you know Mario GTA and just like all the, you know all these different fan created things but I've, I've never seen something like put to like actual like game form and so you know in, in the same kind of direction that like Mario RPG took Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having it be, um, uh, um, again, like what, what you said with your Bioshock idea, I think like third person would be super interesting. Yeah. Um, and, um, just have it be like, you know, what, you know, what, what would the world of Mario look like if it were like, I don't know, reimagined into, into be something, I don't want to say like gritty reboot because that's, those are buzzwords that are yeah, just, just no good. I don't good. like that. I, I, stylized, I would, I yeah, would think is a yeah. better way to look at it. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario games. I would really like to. It's just funny because when you think about some of the games you know as being a specific way, like uh, any of the Nintendo games, like Nintendo games are all drastically different, but they all fit in the same stable. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those games would make easier, darker uh, stories than others. Like Super Mario doesn't lend itself to being gritty or dark, but I could see there being a serious take on a Metroid game, obviously, because they're a little more serious in nature. Um, hell, you could probably successfully in the, in the age of Iron Man we live in now, you could probably successfully make uh, a Metroid movie, you know, with a, a smart, agile, attractive female in a suit of armor kicking mm-hmm. the hell out of aliens. That might be a, <laughs> it'd be awesome. But I wouldn't mind. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing um, if you're talking like genres. What styles would you switch up? Um, the obvious way is always like take something and smoosh it into a cart racer or like, <laughs> yeah. that's the easiest thing just because you could make any, anything into a cart racer. Mm-hmm. It would be fucking funny. I mean, a few years ago they took mortal Kombat and made one of the joke games and deception, you know, like, or maybe it was Armageddon cart racing, which was funny and lent itself to that whole thing. Yeah. Um, I also wouldn't mind seeing, um, Seeing a game like as much flack as Call of Duty gets, right? Um, a game like Call of Duty, especially the earlier ones, had pretty earnest, like little war stories. They're pretty neat. I wouldn't mind seeing a Call of Duty style game, that setting, whether it's modern or the World War II settings, turned into um, like a turn based RPG. Not like JRPG style, but having the story be presented not in a first-person perspective, not in a third-person perspective, and turn it into like a hybrid of, of like the storytelling methods of a JRPG 
with all of the proper modern dialogue and sound effects that come with the war, but make it more of a strategy-based gameplay. Not Company of Heroes, not not real-time strategy type. Okay. Um, I, I don't want to say turn-based, but I don't want it to be just like a flat-out third-person action game. I think it would make the stories for those games a little more... I think people would pay attention so to So would it be strategy more. or would it be an RPG? Maybe a hybrid of the two, you okay. know? Um, because I think people would pay attention to the stories they write for those a little bit better, and then it just being, oh, everyone's just blowing everything up and shooting them. It'd be interesting. Um, um, you mentioned uh, Metroid a little bit ago, and I, mm-hmm. I think a... Um, c- uh, imagine, if you will, um, so gameplay... That's similar to like a mix of Assassin's Creed and Arkham Knight. Mm-hmm. So in just like yeah, so so you know it would be in an open world setting, but with Metroid. Sure. Um, you know, so you know with because um, with with some of Samus's skill sets, you know, being able to traverse distances quickly. Sure. Um, you know, and uh, especially uh, you know, with uh, you know being able to go into the morph ball and go through vents and stuff like that. As far as like you know, it wouldn't be stealth, of course, you know, because that's not Metroid. Sure. Um, but um, as far as a uh, more more of a for a puzzle solving aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be amazing, and you know, if 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 they were ever going to come up with a good excuse as to why the hell a new Metroid game is taking as long as it is. Mm-hmm having it be because it's like Nintendo's like first open world game like this would be a pretty good excuse. Oh yeah, so. sure, sure. <laughs> Here's yeah, open. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Um the I I I was also trying to think of something that, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge racing fan, but there have been racing games in the past that I've that I've really enjoyed. They've tended to be on the more sci-fi side of things like um like uh like F0 and Wipeout, you know, stuff like that. I've been yeah, trying or to like think of the Spy Hunter reboot they did a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, I've yeah. been trying to think of a property that I enjoy that that I would think would make a really fun like not a kart racer, like more of a serious racer like those. You games know what are? would be fun? Actually, you could because there have been some really good like car chase type battle scenes in it. Mm-hmm. I would love to see some sort of like Metal Gear like racing type game, you know, where you're okay. racing like military vehicles or hell racing Metal Gears. I don't know. <laughs> Mech Racer. There <laughs> that you would, go. That that's never be, been done. That would be interesting. You know? Um Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Um I would also like to see Bioshock something something more done with that. Yeah. Um in um you know something uh so kind of like a more um you know there's that Bioshock board game which I acquired that we have yet to play. I, I realized the other day. Um but um seeing like a um like a like a turn-based strategy like a real-time strategy Bioshock game would be super interesting mm-hmm. I think. Um kind of like along the lines of like uh like like Halo Wars but Bioshock sure, I think sure. I think would be really interesting. Um you know what else would be interesting like that, especially because you could work, like you could somehow work sections of the game into puzzling. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Portal stretched into some sort of a like strategy game where it goes back and forth between puzzle solving on oh, the fly and yeah. like, strategy, like like uh, broader broader uh, puzzle solving elements on like a board. You know what I mean? For that matter, could you imagine like a more like a more like deathmatchy like like uh, like. I, I, you know what? I, I have to imagine that when and if we ever see Half Life Three come to fruition, that whatever their multiplayer aspect is in that, I have to imagine the portal gun's going to be in there. Oh man, it should be. Could you imagine not, like? Oh. Could you imagine full scale like like deathmatch like that like Counter Strike deathmatch but with a portal yeah, gun? Somebody firing a rocket at you and you just drop a portal at your feet and escape death yeah. narrowly. You know that would be crazy. Yeah, spatial awareness. You would have to really be yeah. paying attention to where you're at and what you're doing. My God, mm-hmm. what a nightmare that would be. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'd, I'd play the hell out yep. of that. Um, you you mentioned racing games. You know. Um, I, I, this is not something you really see very often. I wouldn't mind seeing, um, 
like like underwater racing games I think would be kind of cool. You don't see that kind of stuff. I love the sort of sense of of being or you know what? Here's you go. Take take a game like Shadow of the Colossus. Okay. You know, uh, Wait, big, big how did you get here from underwater no, racing? No, no, because really I was, curious. I was, well, okay, I should bridge that gap before I press on. I just had something smash in there. As I was say, where, where, you know, you can, you can be attacked by things underwater, you know, instead of it just being like, oh, environmental things, you crashed into something, taking a turn, okay. like, you know, there's large sea creatures under the water trying to, to, you know, attack you or, or stop you from the race or right. <laughs> you're both trying to outrun being, you know, I mean, like there's all these kind of neat little things you do, but what led me to that was it made me go, you know what would be awesome? A game like Shadow of the Colossus where you have to fight big monsters and solve them as puzzles but make that underwater very, like, you know, you have to you have to face the Kraken, you know, and figure out how to get to him and defeat him. Big, giant scale. Hmm. And, okay. You know, uh, or, or, you know, like, if you want to be more ridiculous, you know, you could, uh, like, the final sort of giant uh, colossi, sea colossi could be, like, uh, Cthulhu, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of cool stuff. Like it starts with, like, you know, a shark and leads all the way up the food chain, you know what I mean? Like, I, I like stuff like that. It would be really cool. I yeah, think. absolutely. Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, especially because Michelle and I play so many of them, like, I would love to see more side-scrollers. And so, um, you know, more, more like, co-op side-scrollers, kind of like mm-hmm. Rayman kind of a thing. Sure, sure. And so... Um, I would I would very much like to see um uh U- UbiArt um you know take to t- take their UbiArt engine that they use for like you know the the more recent Rayman games mm-hmm. and start to use them with like some of their other properties like um like a side scrolling uh, like Mirror's Edge or you know that's oh uh, dude that would be great that's, uh, that's not Ubisoft is that that's Ubisoft right is that no no that's, that's EA that's, that's EA, EA. Yeah. still though that would so, be awesome in that would be that, in yeah that so yeah that would be very cool but um I think it's uh, Dice yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely um. Uh, so okay, so who else is Ubi? Who, who who does Ubisoft have that would be good? Assassin's for like a Creed. Side-scroller? They've got uh, Far Cry. Yeah, would be, oh, Splinter Cell. I, I would want it to be something more like like bright and fun and lighthearted, though. Um, they don't have a, they don't have a lot of that. They just really have broken ton, dreams and no. buggy games. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man, that's so sad. It's okay. Um, They're working on it. I have I have hope coming up for Syndicate. <laughs> we'll see. Um. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. So I guess uh, I guess maybe Far Cry because then at least they could put a little bit of humor into there. Just because. Well, you could almost do like uh, Far Cry though. You could almost do like a Metal Slug style, like Contra kind Cry. of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. With Far Cry. Oh, that like, would that be makes fun. perfect. That sense. would be fun. Yeah, that would be really fun. Um, I could see doing like you know what would be fun. It uh, would be like uh, either an Assassin's Creed, like a, a fighting game featuring like various Assassin's Creed characters, or the assassins themselves pitted against one another. Mm-hmm. Um, or my brother and I've talked about this so many times. I don't know why somebody hasn't tried to secure the rights to do this. How fucking cool would a, what a horror movie fighting game be? That would be like, it just doesn't exist. So you I mean, mean they like, tried doing you mean like, like the horror staples, like Jason, Freddy yeah, and so on and so get forth. all the okay. major dudes in there. I mean, get Chucky in there. You could even have like, uh, uh, you know, like the smaller properties, like puppet master you know what i mean the full moon entertainment like <laughs> hellraiser and... hellraiser oh my god yeah. pinhead versus freddy krueger oh my god like, <laughs> we're like here take my fucking wallet you can keep everything in it you know huh yeah i'm surprised that hasn't happened mm. i mean look look at how excited people got when they put freddy krueger in mortal kombat 9 and and predator in mortal kombat 10 yeah and jason in in mortal kombat 10 yeah or x you know so it's just, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer to do that. Yeah, why hasn't that happened? That's a very good point. Um, 
Yeah. Any uh, is there any, anything else that you can think of that would be interesting? No, I mean you've seen you've seen some of the game studios do little crossover type things like this. Like a lot of people forget, but years ago, um, years ago, Square did um, oh, what was it called? Is a SquareSoft fighting game. Remember? Remember? What it was, uh, oh, the uh, the Final Fantasy one. Yeah. The um, what was that called? Um, it had a couple characters from Final Fantasy in it, but uh, I can't for the life of me all of a sudden remember what it was. It, oh, Dissidia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dissidia. That was an interesting thing. And then they... No, I'm talking about one they did prior to that um, where it was Square-designed like characters in a fighting game that featured Cloud right. and Sephiroth, I think. And I don't remember what that's called. And, I wasn't and like about Yuffie in there, I think. They had like a couple yeah, other might have been, random... might have been. But that game, like that was a hybrid. That was a hybrid idea where you take like the Square style of like storytelling and art and mash it into a fighting game. And it, it didn't really work, though. Air guys. Air guys. That's it. And uh, it was fun, but man, it was not good. <laughs> it was it was yeah. silly. It wasn't good, though. And then they, they actually took um, a, a good example of a hybridized game like that. They took the Onimusha games and made a fighting game out of it called Onimusha Blade Warriors. Mm. And my brother and I played the shit out of that. And it was fun and kind of an original game. I've never really played a fighting game quite like it. It actually had a lot of the same, like where you saw like in smash brothers, there's lots of little items and power ups you can pick up and use on the spot. They had that, mm-hmm. which you did see in like power stone as well, but it was during that kind of era and they did a fighting game for that. So, I mean, there's, there's been some games where they mash together, you know? Oh, sure. And yeah, and, th- th- and those are a couple examples, especially like air guys of like, uh, attempts that did not, you know that it's good that they made the attempt but the 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 result was not so good and so as far as some other attempts that have not panned out so well would you put um assassin's creed china in the has not really panned out well category i'm I'm gonna hold off on saying that just yet just because i i went back to try and play it this week and i didn't play it and i just went i don't i like it until i die in a frustrating way that had to do with poor controls gotcha or or clunky combat that like you die yeah. a lot in the combat because the combat shit everything else around it's kind of fine it's okay man that is one of the most frustrating thing in the world it is if if i'm getting stuck in a game not be, if, if i if i get stuck in a game and i keep on having to do a section over and over again because i'm not good enough yeah. at the game like i get frustrated at myself but i can deal with that but if it's because of like bad game mechanics or like the camera going wonky or like weird stuff like that where it's the game's fault that i keep on messing up in a oh, section yeah. Yeah, and yeah. that infuriates me more which than is basically anything. why most of us at, as small children on the original nes were were like little rage maniacs because <laughs> we were pissed about bad game design we just didn't yeah. understand that that was what was wrong with it. we just didn't think we were good enough yeah that's true you know that's what I mean? true but um i mean like look i'm playing on my uh uh you know 3ds i'm playing ghosts and goblins and it is so fucking cheap and broken it's not even funny and you know i remember as a kid being so mad that i couldn't play it because there was something around but i hear you on that yeah um you know they uh there have been a couple of other failed examples where games tried to like cross over from what they're known for mortal Kombat did it with a sub-zero you know uh mortal Kombat mythology sub-zero and the sure. special forces game they did yep. you know like one was a two and a half d fighting game sort of side scroller and the other one was a you know, th- uh, third-person action game on the play- original PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So companies have tried this. But you know what? Uh, there are some games out there, a lot of fighting games have, like, this really lengthy history of, like, story with all their characters over time. Um, some of those games would make good, like, third-person action games or, um, you know, JRPGs. 
Look what they did with Super Mario with uh, Super Mario RPG. God, what a cool so hybrid good. that was. I wish they would do another one of those because that is one of my favorite games. <laughs> I would I would love to see somebody do a version of a like like Chrono Trigger where you're playing it Bioshock style, like first person. That would be so yeah. Oh my cool god, to me. yes, you absolutely. know, like cinematically done. You know, it's still that that uh, Akira Toriyama art style and everything, but. Uh, you know, maybe cell shaded or hand drawn, kind of like make it look like Nino Cooney a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That would be perfect. You know, and that's interesting too. I'm, I'm thinking back of the things we've been talking about, and we've been wanting f- like first person shooters to like be turned into other things, and other things turned into other things. But we haven't been asking for many things to become first person shooters. I think that's the first example. Well, Super Mario we've game would be fun in first person. Could you imagine throwing fireballs? You know, and jumping, jumping on and over things. And it would need things. to be done right. I mean, well, all these things would need to be done right, but I mean, especially that—that—that that, that seems to me like it would be especially, uh, especially tricky to pull off. Yeah, um, they did it with Metroid Prime with Metroid, though. Remember? That's you true. Know, they, that's they true. Prime was sort of a first-person shooter, kind yep. of odd. Um, um, but I would, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Star Fox turned into more of a sim type game, like if you were doing it seriously, because you could do a serious Star Fox. game. Oh, sure, easy. You know? Yeah, that would be fun. It's just so many possibilities, but yeah. but some things I don't think would translate that well to being a first person shooter type game. I only cite Mario because you can throw fireballs, but when you're not throwing fireballs, you don't you're not really throwing anything. Yeah, or or hammers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's kind of <laughs> right. It. It'd be fun to ride on Yoshi though. It'd be ridiculous looking. That would be again interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm th- those. That's everything I could think of. Unless you have any other yeah. ideas. No, I, I mean, that's, I, I certainly think we presented a variety, yeah. <laughs> you know, of, of what-ifs and would-bes. Agreed. All right, so the, those are our ideas. Let's see what you guys had to say. All right, and so uh, for one of the last GOAT remotes of this season, let's check in with uh, Mr. GOAT and see how he is doing. Hey, gents. Uh, GOAT remote. Last one at Warp Tour, as we did our last show oh. uh, yesterday, and... Uh, Seattle, Washington. Well, Auburn, Washington. It was Seattle. You know. But, uh, so we're done. The crazy summer of, uh, warpness. And, uh, I'm, I'm sober this time, apparently. <laughs> Last week I was not. That was fun for the whole family, as I do remember making that phone call. Hope everybody enjoyed <laughs> Glad that. you made it out alive, buddy. In sightful rambling. So that means next week I will be back in the studio after all summer to, you know, bring it back to normal. Things are rolling again. Such. So, unfortunately, this is not a very exciting one because, well, we're, we're done with the tour. So there's nothing to, uh, you know, really uh, talk about. So, see you guys next week, in person, live, on the internet, sort of, live. I'm confused. I'm confused. Okay. Well, please hold while we get in contact with Goat and find out if he's going to be here next week or not. All right. So in case uh, you're confused, uh, dear listener, um, so were we. We, we, we. So we've conferred with Goat and there was apparently some miscommunication. And, and, and as much as he was joking with us about him taking a week off yes, and we did not understand not. that it was a joke. So Goat well, will be returning next week. We should have known, though. <laughs> we should have known that he was toying with our emotions. Yes, yes, that's that that that's true. Um, but uh, but yeah, so yeah, this is now your last 
goatless uh, episode. That's so true. Uh, get back to some goddamn the, normalcy in this joint. The season of goatlessness is now coming That's to a close. True. That's true. Uh, and we have another mailbag. Uh, we have another voicemail in the mailbag. Uh, so let's let's see what this one has in store for us. Hey, Gamerhead Radio. This is um, Matt Alfring. Um, no longer associated with Activision. I like to point that out first. Oh, he's moved on. I've got a new game. Uh, it's called Smile Party. And the object of the game is to be put in um, situations where you shouldn't be smiling um, and to use uh, your willpower meter to smile. So you have to go to your grandmother's funeral and smile at people. I'm smiling while I say this because I'm using my willpower meter. I'm hitting the A button. Uh, There's also smile combos like you smile... um, at your mom to reassure her that everything's going to be okay, but then, bam, you turn to your left and smile at the hot chick at the funeral. Or hot dude, whatever you're into. I don't care. I smile at both. More for me, less for you. Um, other situations would be at a diner, um, like a filthy diner, where, like, the your waiter or waitress is really shitty. But, like, you give them, like, a shitty grin. Like, that's, like, the fatality of a smile party. Um, let me know what you think. Uh, I think I got an A-plus here. I'm going to go back to bed to dream up some more great games for you guys. Uh, don't remake Bump and Jump. Fucking assholes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 10 out of 10 would play. I would I would play that, Matt. Why are you smiling at your... Never mind. You know what it is? It's like whenever whenever Matt comes up with games... I mean, Activision really lost something special with the departure of, of Matt Elfling as, as, the, as the flagship, the the leader of that, that machine. But every time he comes up with, with game ideas or we say or he does something to inspire him to come up with game ideas, it's like, it's like, it's like putting a token into the slot machine, pulling the arm, and then always... Hitting the jackpot. Always. That's true. It's such good stuff. Thank you, <laughs> kind sir. Keep the good stuff coming. Thank you, yes, Mr. Elfring. And, and I hope I, um, if you're listening to this, I hope I did you justice with uh, my uh, uh, dra- dramatic reading of your, uh, your, your post last week. Mm, I, um, mm. I, I, did, I did my best. I hope I did not disappoint you. <clears throat> All right, so moving on to the mailbag, our question was, what game would you like to see reimagined in a completely different style or genre? Uh, so Brian Lester says, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog in the style of a classic RPG. If Sega's going to milk the franchise as much as possible, it would be nice to do so with a formula that works. Joking aside, Arkham games, but reimagined, redesigned for other members of the Justice League. For example, Green Lantern can fly throughout his entire sector, Earth, miscellaneous planets, Oa, etc. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I love the success that they had, you know, that Rocksteady had with, uh, with, with Batman, with the Arkham games. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to see branching out to other, other, other characters in a similar formula. I mean, I don't even care. Like, use the same engine, use the same everything. You know, give go ahead and give us a Green Lantern or a Superman or. No, it would be great. I think I think that ge- that game proves that it can be done mm-hmm. with other heroes. They just need to do it. Agreed. Uh, Dan Lothke suggests a Dragon's Lair style Zelda. Uh, you thought the Water Temple was a pain before. <laughs> Yikes! Um, but yeah, I would play that. Um, and uh, Dash Laramie suggests a point and click style, The Evil Within. Now, I haven't played The Evil Within, but huh. um, that sounds like it could be interesting. Um, like old school, like LucasArts point and click is, is what I'm thinking. I would thinking. imagine that or, or you know, like like Diablo is technically like a point and click Oh, type. that style. Like maybe. Oh. I mean, it could be either one. I mean, Dash didn't specify, but uh, it I, 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 that jammed the hell out of that. Yeah, that, that would... That would. Yeah, I wonder which uh, which way he meant. That would be interesting to to find out. But um, yeah, either way, 
<clears throat> also, in addition, uh, Danny Meckler uh, responds and says, uh, with Naughty Dog's pedigree of three games in a series and then a kart racer, I have to admit I was a little disappointed when uncarted Golden Grand Prix wasn't announced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I wonder how much time he thought about that one. Um, <clears throat> uh, kart racers are the... Uh, kart racers are the shit, and I'm really bummed we haven't seen more of them. For realsies, though, I would love to play an old-school Doom-style FPS in the Castlevania universe. Ooh. I want uh, pixel graphics, uh, no right thumbstick for aiming, so you just have to turn around slowly. Um, your giant whip as a primary weapon, collect hearts and potions gameplay. Um, Danny, you just need to go play Hexen, because that's basically that what you're asking That is pretty much for. what Hexen is. Yes. Um, I'm genuinely surprised it hasn't happened. Uh, Capcom or is it Konami could have seen the success of Metroid, Going 3D said, fuck it, we got this too, and vomited out uh, one out into our baby Robin mouths. Ooh, um, <clears throat> that's gross. Yeah, just go play Hexen. Because um, that, yeah, pr- pretty much. Um, Matt Elfring says that he could go for a Call of Duty type remake of Smile Party. <laughs> How convenient. Uh, I'm trying to calculate. How in the hell that would actually happen based on the description that you just gave us in that voicemail? And it, it makes me tired. So so it's a first-person military war-era shooter. But instead of shooting, you're you smiling around everybody and while you murder people. them? That's fucked up, man. That's <laughs> no, there's no murdering. You're just smiling. To you're only smiling. Smi- smile, smile to death? So it's... No, no, no. Just smile? No, it's, it's basically... It's like a staring contest, but smiling. And so you just have to constantly win and smile at people until you make them happy or believe your smile i guess is, is what i'm getting out of his earlier description makes me so and then you move on to the next to the next uh to the next smile encounter i just feel like i like why are you looking at me like that man? <laughs> you know like oof. well done matt terrifying um, now, of course, they would have to up the gameplay and you know change around the mechanics a little bit. So you could have different versions of smiles that you would have to strategically, um, you know, apply at various times. You'd have like creepy stalker smile. You'd uh-huh. have like genuinely happy, like you know, like like normal smile. You'd have like psychotic. I'm on so much LSD. I I I've forgotten what anything else is like. Smile. Um, and you know various others, you know that you would have to use, and it would be kind of like a you, you could kind of make it just like a like a rock paper scissors style of like combat system where mm. you have to switch your smiles up, you know, with the person that you're that that you're going against. I'm I'm thinking about this way too much. You are you're <laughs> we're we're on the way. Look, uh, Matt, we're gonna try and secure some funding. Maybe it's time to crowdsource this beast and and get it out there. The world's not ready. Uh, and then he also says, just echoing his earlier sentiments in the voicemail, uh, Bump and Jump is perfect on its own. How dare you give it an upgrade? Uh, to which then we replied to him in the thread, um, honestly, we think it should be the other way around. Um, oh, oh, this is John saying uh, uh, he thinks it should be the other way around, a Bump and Jump style Gran Turismo, because I had given the uh, the suggestion of a uh, Bump and Jump yes, made like yes. Gran Turismo. But instead, how about Gran Turismo made like Bump and Jump? And Matt said, oh, I'd be fine with that as long as the Bump and Jump creators get the respect they deserve. Because of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Do you have any? Yeah, I got a couple here too. Uh, you know, Jeremy Sardler says that he would like to see an open world League of Legends. Not sure how that would work, but uh, from from what I understand, that 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 universe does has have a pretty extensive lore. Okay. Um, you know, but, and, and so now they, so many characters. They want to see more like a narrative open world. Yeah, I'm like... assuming that's what it means. He didn't extrapolate on that, but uh, okay. but I'm going to. Damn it! And I think that's what it means. I, that's my interpretation of what he had to say. I like the art style and just like the the, the look of League of Legends. The mm-hmm. gameplay mechanics don't interest me at all. But I mm-hmm. wouldn't mind learning more about League of Legends universe through other game types. Sure, sure. I'd be all about yeah. That. I'd be all about that too. Uh, ben Wire says a Skyrim style Pokemon and a Borderlands MMO would be awesome. 
Borderlands Universe could lend itself to some sort of an MMO, really, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's ha- it's halfway there already. And then Skyrim-style Pokemon. So I'm going to assume that that means, like, uh, maybe a, a darker, grittier version of Pokemon. Something, uh, you know, where Charizard is actually a big-ass dragon. I don't know. Hard to say, but uh, not a bad suggestion. And then uh, ZZ says, uh, Team Deathmatch Dragon Age. It's like... Uh, Maybe like third person kind of combat. What was that game that was just announced at E3? Uh, it was like a third Skill person. Bound? No, no, uh, that was uh, that was um, at Gamescom. But the it's a third person like medieval combat game that centers heavily on the use of the right thumbstick. I can't remember what it's called. All I don't of a sudden. remember either. But right that now. ZZ does kind of end up coming off exactly like what you're saying, like a team deathmatch Dragon Age style. Very cool. Okay, and so those are all of the uh, the mailbag responses that we got. And then so we have, um, fin- rounding it out, we have uh, Songbird uh, writing in. She says, uh, Dear Technotronic Horton Fallon Flynn, mailbag answer. Well, if you want to be cool like Konami, you'd ask for every game in existence to have their own pachinko machine. <laughs> yes. yes. I actually know somebody who works in their slot division. Seriously? Yeah. That's interesting yeah. and cool. He comes, he comes uh, when I, whenever I do see him, he comes rolling up in a, uh, a work van that has the Konami logo on the side of it. It's awesome. crazy. It's weird. That's cool. I think I may have seen that van around. Yeah. Like around here, right? It's he, Chicago. He, he yeah. services the Chicagoland area. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've seen a Konami van, I think, a couple times. Yeah. And so that, maybe that was him. Uh, and, uh, however, if you want to be random like me, you'd ask for a Godzilla game in the style of Mario Party or an Animal Crossing fighting game. Okay, let's take these one at a time. A Godzilla game in the style of Mario Party. So it's Mario Party, but with like Godzilla and Mothra and Mecha Godzilla and things like that. That would be no, that would work. interesting. That would fun. work because then you could you could you could pit them against one another in in the mini games. But there's an element of battle to it. It almost sounds like for some reason it makes me think that like it would be a missed opportunity if if they didn't do like a rampage style mini game as one of the games. Right, Perfect. right, right, right. Awesome. And then an Animal Crossing fighting game. Um, I could I, well, okay. I could I could kind of sort of see that. Like, it would have to be like super cutesy, like. Like what's what Smash Brothers is to normal fighting games, this would need to be that to Smash Brothers. Like super, just like cute and ridiculous and fun and over the top. Like you know, you know everything that Animal Crossing sure. is in that regard. I guess I know of Animal Crossing. Yeah. It's one of the few Nintendo properties I have not played, so oh, I, really? I cannot okay. opine. I know what it is, but it just it, it went right past me. Uh, Style wise, as Songbird continues, uh, it'd be funny to see over the top gory games like Mortal Kombat recreated in yarn art. That or like early cartoon animation such as Cuphead. That would be super fascinating. Oh my god, that would be great. Yeah. Somebody doing a 1920s style fighting game, like hand-drawn fighting game. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my god. That would be that would be interesting. I wonder if Cuphead's going to do that. I wonder if we're going to see a resurgence in that style. I hope so. I really hope so. Anything yeah. from that era is I'm on board with. Yep. But I would play Yarn Mortal Kombat too. I would kind of it would make me feel like maybe maybe somebody poisoned the water hole. <laughs> but yeah, I'd play it. Hang on, you let, let's let's talk about this. You drink out of a water hole. Yes, the toilet. Look, Charlie's face, John. You're doing I, it wrong. I said it <laughs> just to see that look. I love that look. It's my favorite. Oh, this show should be video sometimes. <laughs> a somber continues. Firstly, I do have a question and a response to Brian. Um, how do people compete a game? That's currently only available in a certain area, such as Tekken 7. Do they bring several machines over and people only have a day to practice, or what? Also, Sonic RPG is known as Sonic Chronicles and the Dark Brotherhood. Um, yeah, I think... I th- uh, yeah, the... Um, 
Um, yeah, so I believe Brian mentioned off air that they were using cabinets for that, right? Yeah, they, yeah, and I, so. um, I, I don't remember if it was on or off air, but I, I remember he mentioned that. So I'm assuming that they probably had a handful of cabinets that they were just competing in just in brackets. Yeah, I would think so. Um, and okay, so Zomber continues. Uh, why haven't you guys created any photoshopping of Time's ingeniously bad virtual reality cover? If you're too lazy, I mean busy. Hey, <laughs> to do so, then tell us what you'd create. Okay, I'm gonna have to take a second to look this up. Oh, this... it's bad. Oh, you, oh, oh you, okay. it's, I almost talked about it in, in news this week, but the reason I decided not to do that is because it is indeed an image that we would be talking about specifically, and I didn't want to bore people uh, by talking about a picture they can't see at least, uh, you know, up up front during the the recording. But it's it's really bad. It's a picture of of uh, you know, uh, Palmer Lucky on the on the front of of Time doing this. So I'm looking at the cover now, and um, I okay. Come to think, you got to see I, the whole thing. You got to click on it. See if you can enlarge it because his his feet. He's wearing like he's got nothing on his feet. He's just bare feet dangling in the air. <laughs> um, you know, come to think of it, I believe that this did come across my radar a little bit because of who this of who this person is. Um, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the um, that. Uh, a lot of people mistook this for just being like some random kid, and that is not the case. Yeah, no, that is that is the you know creator of the the Oculus Rift. That is Palmer Lucky. Looking surprisingly, I hate to say it, like an awkward chubby twelve year old. Yeah, yeah, it's not a good picture. Yeah, um, and like John was describing, I'm looking at it now. He is uh, he's wearing jeans and a uh, like a like a like a like a turquoise. Polo. polo shirt and his arms are just kind of in the air like he's mid flap <laughs> he looks like, like he's, he's trying flo- to fly yeah, floating looking up you know he's got a, he's got an oculus on and he's looking up you know his head well his head's pointing up and um then yeah he's, he's wearing no jeans with no shoes and no socks just like randomly barefoot photoshopped into a beach what's terrible in the actual i hell? don't know what they were thinking whoever whoever pulled it but you know what this is an example of how Mainstream publications like this or not game-related publications just do not understand gaming. That's very true. Now, so I'm looking at another picture of him that, um, you know, is uh, presumably from the same photo shoot where he has now lifted up the the visor and now he very much looks like him, his normal self. Yeah, sure, sure. And and not the uh, not not uh, well not not the way that this this unfortunate image. Portrays yes. him to look. And and there is a myriad of, of hilarious <laughs> photoshops on the internet. People people in the gaming world think this is hilarious and they're photoshopping him into everything. So um, if you can so find some Palmer. I, I've got one of him where he's uh where he's king of the world on the Titanic. Um I've got one where he is um he's uh at the top of the lift in um in, in Dirty Dancing, I'm pretty sure. Might be yeah. flash dance, oh, I'm yeah. not really sure. Yeah. Um I've got uh him on the back of a horse behind Vin Diesel for some reason. Um I have him in space flying with pizzas because why not? Um yeah, it, it goes on and on. So time fire whoever did this, please. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, Songbird uh, continues. Uh, but Songbird, yes, you're right. That that deserves very much deserves to be made fun of. Uh, Songbird continues. Uh, Happy Book Lovers Day. Uh, well, the day of recording that is. Uh, which gaming characters would be the best or worst reading books aloud? Oh. Worst Tingle. Ew. <laughs> John's personal. Favorite. I don't. You know, I don't think about him until we talk about him on the show, and then I feel like I need to go home and shower after we talk about him. I just. You know, ew. 
Um, uh, who do I think would be terrible reading a reading a or book good or loud? good or bad or good? Um, I don't know if it would be good or bad, but Mario reading a book would be hilarious. Chapter one, <laughs> it's a me. Um, I don't know. Who who is? Uh, I don't know if that would be good or bad. Wario reading a book would be atrocious. Yeah. Just Wal- Luigi would be even more atrocious. Oh no, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I would say that uh, because technically you 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 do hear her do as such in Super Mario Galaxy. Rosalina would be good at reading a book. Oh, there you go. You, you know, know who also I I know um, I've I've talked about this character before and, and my fondness for her voice, but um, the uh, the voice of Fran from Final Fantasy Twelve. Oh yeah, um, I loved her accent. Yeah, yeah. I could listen to her. I could listen to her read yeah, the phone book. I can hear that. Um, so I would like to listen to her read a book. I feel like uh, I feel like uh, from the Uncharted games, Chloe uh, Claudia Black from Farscape voiced her. I love oh, her sure. voice. She's got a unique voice. She'd be good to, to hear read a book. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, any of the big names like Nolan North and and yeah, uh, yeah. Any I of them. I I think I feel pretty confident at this juncture in saying that. Uh, Peter Dinklage would not be a good choice. Uh, Unless it was a Game of Thrones reading. book, yeah, I that's guess, true. maybe. Uh, that's it, maybe. Um, <laughs> um, Donkey Kong would be no good. That Yeah, that's true. Um, really, anybody from Animal Crossing wouldn't be good because they would just be like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would not be fun um, to listen to. I'll, I'll call back to my brother on this one, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll say uh, Star Fox character's not so good. Dabble doob dabble. <laughs> Yeah. Very true. Very true. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This is gonna be a broad pool. No one's gonna get this. Like maybe one person out there listening is gonna get this. Okay. Uh, there's an alien character from the game Out of This World or Another World, depending on which region you played it in. Uh-huh. Who taps you on the shoulder at the beginning of the game and looks at you and points and says, "My Puva." <laughs> I don't feel like he would be a very good candidate. <laughs> To, uh, well, I suppose anybody that doesn't speak proper English would be. Uh, well, would but be I mean, difficult. like you translating it in their language, I'm sure he's just terrible at. It. <laughs> uh, so, Songbird, there. Those are some answers we have on that one. And um, she uh, concludes uh, speaking with books. August is here, which means one thing: school's back. During your K through 12 years, did you see much video gaming in school, or anyone owning any video game memorabilia like shirts and etc.? Um, I mean, you know, when, when, you know, when we were, when I was in school, um, you know, this is like when like the, uh, the Game Boy and, uh, related consoles like that were coming out. I remember I got a Game Boy when I was, was in, um, I think it was, I think it was elementary school. And, um, I was, I was one of the first in my, uh, you know, in, in my school to get one. And I was like, you know, that, that was at this age, given just like the, the circles that I ran in, like, you know, like the, the giant turtle shell glasses and the bowl haircut that I had and everything. I mean, like this was like one of my brief moments into like being like the cool kid until like that novelty wore off. So that was fun for me. Um, aside from that, though, I mean, like, uh, you know, the only real gaming that I saw in school was like, you know, kids with like, you know, portables at recess. I mean, like nothing like, yeah. you know, th- that's about it. Um, like my high school didn't have like a video game club or anything like that. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know. If, they, you know, I know they have like anime clubs and things like that, but my school didn't have a like a gaming club. Um, the only other, like, the only other semi related thing I could think of is uh, when I was in high school, I took um, a um, a programming class of a na- of a now very much extinct programming language programming language called Pascal, and um, uh, in that there were several projects that we had to do where you know where we created very rudimentary you know because it was a beginner's course of course of uh, like you know games and things like that so that was the only other thing i could think of actually come to think of it 
um, our teacher was cool enough so that if we finished our work, basically he, he was the kind of instructor where, you know, it's like he gave you your, your assignment and he gave you your due date and then you just had to get it done. And so like whatever you did in the meantime, like if you wanted to, however you wanted to use your time in his class, like, you know, like he would, he would teach his lessons, but then like the, the work time that he had for like, cause you know, when you're programming something, it's, it's a lot of just like sitting and staring at a screen and writing yeah. code. So it's mm-hmm. not like he could just instruct through all that time. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it had to, it was, there was a lot of like, okay, like this week is like for working on your, on whatever your next project is. And so we could use that time however we wanted. And you know, this is, uh, it's funny. I mentioned Hexen earlier. Um, Hexen is actually one of the games that um, some of us, when we finished our projects in the class, these computers were all networked together. We would play local LAN Hexen multiplayer after, uh, um, you know, in between working on our projects, which was a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's everything I got. John, how about you? Um, I, you know, I, there are a couple things that come to mind, but I, I for those of you who don't know, um, you know, a lot of Ease for Villain, Villains fans know, but um, Gamerhead fans that don't know me outside of, of Gamerhead Radio. I grew up in, in a really small city in Mississippi called Biloxi, um, adjacent to an Air Force base down there because my father was an Air Force guy. And um, so we didn't, it, it wasn't a very large school and very, very, very um, the opposite of progressive, <laughs> um, given that I'm in, I was in southern Mississippi. So, like, there was this one kid that I went to school with uh, named Hysan that was the only other kid I knew of in school that played fighting games and thought they were cool and we would talk about it a lot, We'd talk about like Marvel versus Capcom and stuff like that when it was out. Um, and then I had one or two friends that played games. Nobody really talked about it at school. Video game paraphernalia was not common then, so people didn't wear like video game related things very often then. Maybe the odd Mortal Kombat t-shirt or something. Sure. Um, I also had a similar experience with LAN where we had uh, a class called Technology Discovery, which was a big deal at the time because we just got new computers and computer labs and they were starting to teach kids how to type. If you can fathom, there was a time where they didn't focus on that at all. Um, I, that instructor would let us, if we finished class early or if everything was turning well, would let everybody play uh, networked versions of Unreal Tournament. Oh, nice. In class, which was awesome. And she was not supposed to be doing that. And we could have gotten a lot of trouble, but she was really cool. She was, I think, younger than I am, you know, I am now. You know, so she was pretty laid back okay. and very young in that way. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the only other thing I can think of that, that makes me think of game-related anything in school is, is, you know, gaming was not the massively popular thing that it is now. Then, yeah. So, I mean, like, those who participated in it were excited for it, but people didn't really talk about it then. It wasn't, like, outcast territory, where they go, you like video games, nerd. It wasn't that. <laughs> um, it's just nobody really gave a shit, except for the people who really loved it. I did a... My eighth grade uh, technology discovery report was on my... Um, I think it was eighth grade... Maybe it was, I don't know, eighth or ninth grade was my, um, was a Sega Saturn that I borrowed from a friend to do this report. Yeah. And I wanted it because I wanted to showcase, uh, Virtua Fighter 2's graphics on that system and how impressive it was. Um, I broke the whole thing apart. My friend let me take it apart and show them and explain to them. And I was ex- trying to explain what anti-aliasing was and, and, you know, why a certain number of polygons made up a, you know, uh, character model that looked better than games that had low. 
nobody cared. I got a great grade on the report and I was very proud of it, but I was surprised at how few people cared. And it was kind of, I think at that moment that I realized that uh, just cause I like something doesn't mean anybody else gives a shit about it. Um, so that, those are the only things I could really think of. You know, I, I grew up near an arcade and a lot of the kids I went to school with would go to the arcades and they were big into like fighting games at the arcades, but at school, nobody cared. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah, there's um as far as like it, the the culture and everything. I mean, like I, I'd say it's pretty average. I mean, like just maybe just because of like the um the nature of the areas that we went to school and maybe there was a difference there just between um you know southern Mississippi and you know Chicagoland suburb, but um you know as uh you know th- th- there was a fair amount of like video game fandom and like you know, memorabilia and T-shirts and things like that that I saw in school. I mean, like to me it's it, it, to me it feels like it was nothing out of the ordinary. Just like you know. Pe- you know, people in the circle that I ran with, you know, wearing like Final Fantasy VII shirts and stuff like that. And um, I would love to know. have seen that stuff. It just didn't exist where I grew up. Yeah. Nobody cared. Yeah, I think that's um, probably a regional thing a little bit. Must have been. But uh, but yeah. So thank you very much, Songbird, for uh, for your email. And also to everybody else for your Facebook uh, responses. We, uh, we graciously appreciate it. Uh, Matt, uh, thank you again for your email and for your callback to your email and your response. It was very well done. Um, so, John, what do you have coming up in your... In the, in the future for you? Um, well, uh, boringly, I'm starting some uh, fall college classes um, in like two weeks. That's it. Nothing exciting that on that front. Nothing's changed in terms of what we're working on for V's for Villains. You know, we're just, we're going to be in this like underground building mode for a while. Once we get shows, like a new show built and we put records out, like we, we don't stop moving for like, Let's see, we put Evolve or Die out in 2012, June of 2012. We haven't stopped playing since then. It's just been... Until like two weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, until like, yeah, like literally maybe three weeks ago. It's been three years of nonstop movement, working on that record and putting it out and promoting it and selling it and put you know playing shows behind it and music videos and everything else. So there's this quiet that happens between album releases when my brother and I work on things and... Pretty soon, it's going to whip back up into a fury again. It always does. And sure. I'd say, you know, by the beginning of the year, it'll be a different story here coming up. But the next few months are going to be relatively quiet. Other than that, um, try and squeeze in some different games this week. I've been kind of leaning on stuff I'm comfortable with. I think that's it. I'm just going to work on that stuff and spend time with my lady and my, my beautiful, handsome son. Sounds good. Um, if if I may ask, if this is um, if this has been uh, nailed down yet, do we know is October? Halloween still the the release window for the album. Um, the, there's enough material to still meet that window. Um, the our preliminary like uh, artwork for the album's been completed as well. At least the like rough draft uh, mm-hmm. concept artwork. It could be out by the end of October, and I think we really want it to be. But there's this sense of that we want to write five or six more things. And, you know, maybe more if possible, listen to everything and then narrow down what doesn't make the cut. Because the record as it stands right now is, I'd say, probably 80% complete. Okay. Um, The other 20% being sections of vocals that melodies are in place, but the lyrics aren't. Um, And then guitar has not been written for a large part of the record, which is my job. But I'm also waiting on my brother to finish a few things before I put my, my parts in there. So um, it could be out by then, but I'm going to say for now, expect it to get pushed back. Hopefully it'll release on Halloween, but I'm 
I expect it to get pushed back. Got it. Yeah. On my side of things, um, again, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, as of when this episode should be getting posted, if it goes up on Tuesday, the the eleventh, um, that means that this episode is going up exactly one hundred days away from the start of Ponyville Cider Fest, uh, which starts on November twentieth in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And um, th- uh, yeah, I, you know, we're just uh, just working on that, gearing up for that. Um, we've got some other uh, guest announcements coming up that I'm pretty excited about. And, um, yeah, I know I mentioned, uh, last week that, um, you know, we had just announced that, uh, the shakeups in Ponyville, an MLP themed, um, you know, uh, you know, like rock band that, um, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty fun to watch. Um, I know they just played Gen Con and, um, and some other, uh, some other events in the, uh, in, in the area, both pony and non-pony related. Um, but they, they, they just do pony stuff, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's going to be a good time. Um, and that. For any uh, for any fans that are local to the Chicago region, I know this is uh you know if if you're not you know a pony fan, this may have flown under your radar. But if any of you are fans of Star Trek: Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and are fans of the character Q played by John Delancey, mm-hmm. um, he has been announced. Um, this is not new news, but um, just to mention it in case you hadn't noticed, um, he had, he has been announced to be a guest of Winnie City PonyCon, which is coming up on April first. And right now, tickets for that are available. For like thirty bucks, like thirty thirty five dollars, I think it is, and um, so the opportunity to meet John Delancey in Chicago, in Schaumburg to be specific, wow, um, for like thirty thirty five dollars. If any of you are fans of the man and his work, um, because he's a voice actor on My Little Pony, of course that's why he's coming. But uh, um, yeah, super 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 excited to meet him. I mean, like I never thought I would have the chance. So um, right on. So yeah, very excited for that. Um, so I'm moving on. I haven't had one for a while, but, uh, my beer of the week is going to be Ruin 10 IPA by Stone Brewery in California. Um, this is their yearly release of their triple IPA. Um, this, this has beer. Yes, it has beer. It is beer. It has no, beer. I would like to think so. <laughs> um, this beer has hops in it, um, for days. I mean, like this thing is an assault on your palate. Uh, it's called, I don't know if this is why it's called Ruin 10, but it'll pretty much ruin your palate until, <laughs> until it gets cleansed. Because I mean, like this thing has it is so much, it's so aromatic and just like bitter in a good way, you know, like it's supposed to be. Um, just from just the insane amount of hops that are in this beer. I mean, like for being a triple IPA, I mean, there's only a couple that I'm aware of. Um, Devil Dancer is another one from Founders, I think was one of my picks, uh, a couple months back, but, um, uh, yeah, you should currently be able to find that, um, in your local craft brewery store. Stone is distributed pretty much nationwide. Um, probably save a few States, but for the most part, they're pretty much everywhere. Um, really, really excellent. Excellent. If you're, if you're in the mood for hops on your tongue, uh, yeah, because feeling kind of parched all of a sudden you're. Making me very thirsty, I'm, Charlie. I'm I'm sorry, John. But I can I can refill your water for if you'd like. Oh, it's not the same. <laughs> uh, no, it is not. Um, for next week's show, uh, uh, which is perfect for Goat coming back, um, because be I, I can't wait for his commentary on the topic. Um, we are going to be talking about games to play. As as part of a couple, um, so I am going to be joined by my wife Michelle, and John is going to be joined by his wife Megan, and so right. um, the four of us plus Goat in the corner, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, will be will be talking. Uh, but no, he's no Goat. Goat has experience. He's he's uh, he, he will deny it, but he actually has been in relationships, yeah, and so yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure he will have some. Uh, He'll write it off as slander. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, but but yeah, we're gonna for the first time ever. Megan's gonna be on. I, I talk about her all the time, but uh, you know she's she's gonna be on the show, and we're gonna yep. we're gonna talk because um, our our respective others um, 
seem to have different tastes in games. Yes. And I think maybe the way that we play with our respective others we'll find are probably very different. You know, everyone's got their little habits and rituals. So yep. it's going to be kind of an exciting thing, kind of a neat topic. Yep, absolutely. So our question to you is going to be, um, what games have you played um, as in, in, like, in, a, in a partnership, in a, in a coupling um, with, with another person that you've found to be uh, just a lot of fun to play like as, as part of a couple? Um, you know, not not just you know, not just necessarily. If if you think that there's a difference between like playing a game as like in like in like a relationship versus like just playing a, bl- a game with like a buddy, um, you know, it just if you think that there's a difference there, if you think that there are games that are more uh, that lend themselves better to be um, to uh, you know to to be played by people in a relationship for whatever reason, just because of the dynamic or just you know whatever, um, just anything that you have to, to say on this matter. What what games have you particularly enjoyed playing as um, as uh, with a significant other? Uh, and so with that, if you've enjoyed what you heard, you can find us at GamerHeadRadio.com, at Facebook.com backslash GamerHeadRadio, at Google.com backslash plus GamerHeadRadio, and on Twitter at GamerHeadRadio, where I'm at T-E-K Charlie, John is at the Fallon Flynn, and Goat is at Sir Goatsworth. Um, you can call in and leave us a voicemail at 94926Gamer, or write in and leave us an email at editors at GamerHeadRadio.com. Uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, YouTube, Twitch, or with your podcast downloader of choice, which you can also download the official Android app from Google Play on Android. Um, and so with all that being said, thank you very much for listening. This has been Gamerhead Radio.